0: Questions to the Prime Minister, Lillian Greenwood. Number one, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister.
1: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I'm sure members will want to congratulate all those who took part in what was a great weekend of sport. In, uh, In particular, we congratulate Lewis Hamilton for his record sixth win in the British Grand Prix. And on Monday, I was able to welcome England's cricket team to Downing Street, following their brilliant performance in winning the Cricket World Cup. As I said to them, they are a team that reflects the very best of modern Britain and a team that plays like no other in the world. Mr Speaker, I'm sure that the House will want to join me in wishing all the best to the home nations taking part in the Netball World Cup in Liverpool. This morning, I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
0: Lillian Greenwood.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in offering our congratulations, particularly to the England team who won the Cricket World Cup. We were very proud to host some of those games uh, at Trent Bridge uh, in Nottingham. and Also, our best wishes to the netball team. Um, Notts County, the world's oldest professional football club, is facing the very real threat of extinction. Under Chairman Alan Hardy, the club has reached a financial crisis and could be liquidated before the start of the coming season. Players and staff have not been paid in weeks, and the club is set to make its fourth appearance in the High Court later this month to face a winding-up petition. Will she and the whole House join me yes. in calling yes. on the FA, yes. the Football League, and the National League to investigate the current situation and help secure the future of this is truly historic club? Okay, yes. well,
1: I thank the honourable lady for raising this issue. Obviously football clubs up and down the country are of great importance to their local communities and the finan- overall the financial state of football clubs is better now than at any time, but the Government certainly isn't complacent and we will continue to hold the football authorities – She's uh, referenced various football authorities – we will continue to hold the football authorities to account for ensuring there is transparency around the ownership of clubs, sufficient inquiries of the suitability of owners are made and, financially, clubs are continuing to live within their means. But I am sure the whole House will join the Honourable Lady in hoping that as the world's oldest professional football club, Notts County resolves their situation soon.
0: Sir Peter Bottomley. Can I thank the Prime Minister and her Chief of Staff Gavin Barwell for all that they've done with Secretary of State on residential leasehold reform there's a the prospect of ending unfairness and ending exploitation. As another legacy, can I refer the Prime Minister to the book by Michael Gillard on the legacy of the Olympics about Gillard's investigation into the criminals who are there? I'm not suggesting she reads it before uh, next week, but those who do look at it should see how the Department of Professional Standards in the Met overturned the police officer who was investigating the criminals and when they're doing that, can they look at the book by Gerpal Verdi, Behind the Blue Line, about how they managed to investigate him when they did not inve- interview the officers who are known to have been involved in the arrests of the complainant, and they charged him with the offence with a weapon that wasn't available until eight years after the alleged offence?
1: Can I say to my honourable friend, and I recognise the uh, way in which uh, he has championed a number of cases uh, and he's referenced one of them over the years in this House. Indeed, I had a number of meetings with him when I was Home Secretary in relation to that case. It is important that our police are able to operate to the highest professional standards. They have operational independence as to who they investigate and how they conduct those investigations, but I'm sure the whole House will want to say that we expect our police to conduct those investigations properly and fairly and to ensure that when crime is committed they are investigating that crime
0: jeremy
3: corbyn thank you mr speaker can i agree with the prime minister on a congratulations to lewis hamilton and winning on sunday and to the fantastic cricket team which ended up winning the world cup but also thanks to new zealand as well what a brilliant final it was and what a great advertisement it was for the wonderful game of cricket mr speaker time is running out on climate change That's what the Environment Secretary said yesterday. So why did the All-Party Environmental Committee accuse the Government of coasting on climate change?
1: The Government has a fine record on climate change, including our recent legislation on, uh, on net zero emissions. But there is an issue, Mr Speaker, that needs to be addressed in this House. And before the right honourable gentleman, stands up and parades himself as the champion of climate change, or the champion of the people, or the defender of equality and fairness, he needs to apologise for his failure to deal with racism in the Labour Party. Just today, just today, just today, 60 distinguished members of the Labour Party have written in the newspapers, the Labour Party welcomes everyone except, it seems, Jews. This is your legacy, Mr Corbyn. You still haven't opened your eyes. You still haven't told the whole truth. You still haven't accepted your responsibility. You have failed the test of leadership. Apologise now.
0: Uh, The Right Honourable Gentleman will be heard. Attempts to shout down a down market, they're low-grade, they're regarded with contempt by the public, but above all, they won't work. Be quiet. Jeremy Corbyn.
3: Mr Speaker, this party was the first to introduce anti-racist legislation into law in Britain. This party totally opposes racism in any form whatsoever. Anti-Semitism has no place in our society, no place in any of our parties and no place in any of our dialogue. Neither neither does any other form of racism. And when 60% of Tory party members think Islam is a threat to Western civilization and the Prime Minister has said she will act on Islamophobia within her own party. I hope she does. I look forward to seeing that being dealt with as we will deal with any racism that occurs within our own party as well. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, the the Committee on Climate Change last week published its annual report and it described the Government's efforts on climate change not a bit like what the Prime Minister just said. They described it as being run like dad's army. The Government's target is to reduce carbon emissions by 57% by 2030. Can the Prime Minister tell us how much progress has been made on
1: that? Prime to the Right Honourable Gentleman, on the climate change issue, the chairman of that uh, committee said that the UK is the first major economy to set a net-zero emissions target and intends to host the world leaders at next year's landmark climate conference. These are historic steps forward and position the UK at the forefront of the global low-carbon transition. But the right hon. Gentleman, I note, did not apologise in in response to my first questions. He, he, we deal with Islamophobia in the Conservative Party. Any allegations of Islamophobia are dealt with, unlike his way in the Labour Party, where he is failing to deal with anti Semitism. And he can stand up and say all he likes about the Labour Party introducing anti uh, racism legislation. Just last week, Trevor Phillips, the former chairman of the Equality and Human Rights Commission, said the following, Labour today presents like a textbook case of institutional racism. Jeremy Corbyn! (laughs)
3: Mr Mr. Speaker, Speaker, this party opposes racism in any form whatsoever in our society. And coming from a Prime Minister who Encouraged the hostile environment, <laughs> sent go home vans around London, and deported British citizens, which she's now had to compensate them for. I think she might look to her own party and her own government's records as well. Mr. Speaker, the The issue of uh, climate change is obviously crucial, and we support zero emissions target. The latest figures, however, released in April, show the government is going to miss that target by 10%. The gap is widening. At the current rate, they won't meet their 2050 target until 2099. That point will be too late for our planet and our children. Clean energy investment has fallen three years in a row. Why does the Prime Minister think that's the case? I
1: say? Still no apology, I note, from the uh, right gentleman. But. Uh We have outperformed in our first and second carbon budgets. We are on track to meet the third. We have taken the historic step of legislating for net zero emissions by 2050. We have yet to see all the policies and proposals in our clean growth strategy uh, coming into play and uh, uh, having an effect on our target. This is a party that is acting on climate change. This is a party that is delivering for the people of this country. This is a party that is dealing with the issues that matter to people day to day. The Right Honourable Gentleman needs to start dealing with the issues that matter to the members of his Labour Party, as shown in the newspapers this morning. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn. it was a Labour Government
3: that introduced the Climate Change Act of 2008. It's, it's the Labour Party that is committed dealing with the issues of climate change. Can I give the Prime Minister a few suggestions why renewable investment is falling? They scrapped the feed-in tariff. They failed to invest in the Swansea Tidal Lagoon, and they have slashed investment in onshore wind. If we're serious about tackling this climate emergency, we need to fully acknowledge the scale of the problem. Labour is committed to measure total UK emissions, not just what we make here, but what we buy from abroad also, so we have an accurate figure of what the emissions really are by consumption in this country. Will the Prime Minister match that commitment? Prime
1: Minister. The Right Honourable Gentleman knows we measure our targets according to the international definitions of those targets, and that's exactly the right thing for us to do. But he talks about renewables. Let's just actually look at the record on renewables. Last year, renewables generated a record amount of electricity in this country 33%. Over the last year, we've generated record levels of solar and offshore wind energy. And 99%, he talks about what the Labour government did 99% of solar power deployed in the UK has been deployed under Conservative
3: government. Actually, hiding the scale of the problem by passing the buck to other countries as well. If all, emissions are co- if all emissions are counted, the figures would actually be 69% higher in this country. Every year, Mr. Speaker, every year, Mr. Speaker, air pollution kills 40,000 people in this country. In 2017, the Conservative manifesto said it would promise to take action against poor air quality in urban areas. What action has been taken?
1: Can okay, I say, first of all, to the right honourable gentleman, air pollution has reduced significantly since 2010 under the Conservatives in government, and our clean air strategy is the most ambitious air quality strategy in a generation, described by the World Health Organisation as an example for the rest of the world to follow. Jeremy Gobie.
3: Beautiful words, Mr Speaker, they truly are. The only problem is, air pollution levels breach legal limits in 37 of the 43 areas of this country. Two thirds of our children are growing up in an area where pollution breaches legal limits. This crisis is literally suffocating our children and damaging their health. Once again, this government is dodging its responsibility while Labour leads the way. The Mayor of London, for example, is leading the way on better air quality in the capital city. The Tories promised the greenest government ever they failed on carbon emissions. Yeah. They've failed on air pollution. They've failed on solar. The Prime Minister says she wants action but supports fracking yeah. and is effectively banned onshore wind. Yeah. The climate emergency simply cannot be left to the market. Yeah. All of us need to take responsibility to secure our common future. Labour led the call to declare a climate emergency and has pledged a green industrial revolution with new jobs. When will this Conservative government face up and get a grip on this crisis and deal with
1: it? Can I say to the right honourable gentleman Uh, that we have already seen over 400,000 new jobs in the area of renewables and clean growth in this country, and we expect to see up to 2 million more jobs in that area. But I'm not going to take any lectures from the party opposite on this issue when the last Labour government ignored advice that diesel fumes would damage our environment and incentivised diesel cars through the tax system. He talks about dodging responsibility. The person who has been dodging his responsibility during this PMQs is the Right Honourable Gentleman. The real disgrace is his handling of racism in the Labour Party. Activists protesting, MPs leaving, staff resigning what would his great heroes of Attlee, Bevan and Ben think? Look what he has done to their party. We will never let him do it to our country.
0: The, uh, the Prime Minister has repeatedly made animal welfare a priority during her time. Britain leads the World Animal Welfare Protection Index. And can I thank her and the Secretary of State for supporting Finn's Law, the Animal Animal Welfare Service Animals Act, and also for bringing forward the Sentencing Bill, which for a nation like ours, which loves animals, is a key measure because it will put up the maximum sentence to five years' imprisonment. Will she do whatever more she can to to ensure a speedy passage?
1: Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker, and can I first of all thank my right hon. Friend, because I know this is an issue that he has been working on himself for some time, and thank him for highlighting the work that has been done. There is no place for animal cruelty in this country, and when the sentencing bill is passed, as my right hon. Friend alludes to, those who mistreat or abuse animals or are involved in animal fighting will rightly face one of the toughest penalties available anywhere in the world, which cements our place as a world leader on animal welfare and the new maximum penalty will also apply soon to those who attack our brave service animals such as Finn the police dog through Finn's law. And I want to pay tribute to the supporters and those organisations such as Battersea Dogs and Cats Home and the RSPCA for championing these changes and I wish it a speedy passage through this house and the other place. Ian Blackford. Thank you Mr Speaker. This week the Prime Minister finally did the
0: right thing. When Donald Trump told women that they should go home, she called it out as unacceptable. Mr. Speaker, let me be clear. Donald Trump's actions are textbook racism. They are repugnant. And diplomatic politeness should never stop us from saying so. Will the Prime Minister now, on reflection, also take the opportunity? To call out and condemn the racism of the go home vans that she created in coalition government with the Liberal
1: Democrats. I, I said, I said at the time that that was too blunt an instrument. That was dealing with, but there is. There is an important issue here, which is that the public expect us to have a fair immigration system which deals with those who are here illegally, and that is what we need to do. And he refers to the comments made by President Trump, as he has himself alluded to. I have strongly condemned those comments made by President Trump.
0: Ian Blackford. Mr Speaker, when the Prime Minister implemented the hostile environment policy, her party stayed silent. When she delivered the racist go home vans, the Tories remain silent. When asylum speakers are deported to places where their lives are at risk, the Tories stay silent. And yes, Mr. Speaker, when faced with the racist columns written by the former foreign secretary, they stay silent. Isn't the member for Aberconwy correct, Prime Minister, when he warns that the Tories are appealing to the type of nationalism that has seen UKIP grow? While the Tory party shares more with the extremes of Donald Trump and Nigel Farage, isn't it any wonder, Mr Speaker, that Scotland
1: looks on in horror? The Conservative Party is a party for the whole of the United Kingdom, and the only party in this House which is appealing to blatant nationalism is the party that wants to take Scotland
0: and- Thank you, Mr Speaker. In Shropshire, 300 doctors, surgeons and clinicians have been at the forefront of major reconfiguration and modernisation proposals for A&E provision in our county. We have secured £320 million for these vital changes, and yet Labour Control, Telfer Council, an organisation bereft of any medical expertise, has repeatedly prevented these vital changes from taking place. Will the Prime Minister update the House when this long-running saga is going to finally come to an end and my doctors and clinicians can get back to their day jobs?
1: Yeah. I say to my honourable friend, I thank him for raising what is obviously a very important issue for him and his constituents and I recognise that there are concerns about the Future Fit programme and the services in Shropshire. I understand that my right honourable friend, the Health Secretary, has referred this programme to the Independent Reconfiguration Panel and the Department of Health will be studying that advice carefully before making a decision. We have a simple view that clinicians should take these decisions because it's clinicians who know best the services that should be available for his constituents and others.
0: Steve McCabe. I often disagree with the Prime Minister, but I respect that many of her intentions are honest and decent. When she raised the, the hopes of millions of carers by promising them a statutory leave entitlement, they were thrilled. So far, we've had reference to a committee is it a failed promise, or does the fact it's a manifesto pledge mean she's ensured that the honest and decent thing for her successor to do is deliver it?
1: Yeah. Well, can I say to the uh, honourable gentleman uh, that the issue of carers' leave is one on which we've been consulting. It, that is in the uh, system, and I have every, every expectation that whoever succeeds me in this, uh, in this place will indeed take that forward. Sir Roger Gale. Mr Speaker, it's been remarked upon
0: that my right honourable friend is one of only three Prime Ministers upon whose watch a World Cup has been brought home. (laughs) (laughs) She and her husband were fortunate enough to be present to watch that wonderful team effort. In the final week of her Premiership, would my right honourable friend allow herself the luxury of considering that history is likely to treat her captaincy rather more kindly than it will treat those who have campaigned against her.
1: Can I can I uh, thank my honourable friend and thank him. Thank thank my honourable friend and thank him. For the support that he has shown me and the government in the work that we have been putting uh, that we have been bringing putting forward, I was very pleased to be able to be there for the whole of the World Cup final on Sunday. It was nerve wracking, it was nail biting, um, but our team brought it home. And many congratulations once again to them. This is Sharon Hodgson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. When the Prime Minister made her first speech in Downing Street, she said she would fight against the burning injustices of inequality. Three years on, Mr Speaker, nothing has changed. As schools wind down for the summer holidays, Many children will be excited for the fun and the joy to come, but thousands of families whose children receive free school meals will be worried about how they're even going to feed their children, let alone take them on holiday. If she wants a meaningful, lasting legacy, will she extend the holiday activity funding to ensure that all children who receive a free school meal during term time are fed in the holidays? Can I say to the Honourable Lady that we had a successful £2 million programme in the summer of 2018, and this year we are more than quadrupling this funding. Around 50,000 disadvantaged children in 11 local authority areas will be offered free meals and activities over the summer holidays. That is going to be funded by £9 million from the Department for Education. We had a good programme last year. We are expanding that programme this year because we want to help children, wherever they are, receive the right support in school and out.
0: Ed In the week when we uh, celebrate the anniversary of man first walking on the moon, could I draw the Prime Minister's attention to the amazing space cluster that exists in my constituency at Harwell with amazing companies like Open Cosmos and Oxford Space Systems. In the last week of her Premiership, could she perhaps have a conversation with the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority and the Department of Business if we can accelerate the decommissioning of the land at Harwell we can really accelerate the success of this cluster. And I will personally invite her back to inaugurate Theresa May Way when this is done. (laughs) I'm sure the Prime Minister is just beyond excited. The Prime Minister.
1: I was going to say, uh, Mr Speaker, such temptation has been uh, dangled before me, uh, and I thank my uh, uh, honourable friend for it. Uh, can I say to him, uh, first of all, we're very pleased with the, the cluster that there is in his constituency and the important role that that plays in our economy, in our research, in our science development. Uh, the Business Secretary is in the chamber and has heard the uh, points that my honourable friend has made about accelerating this process, and I'm sure that the Business Department will look carefully at his request. Call us, Sheriff.
2: Uh, Passengers across the north of England are wondering which has been delayed the longest the Northern Powerhouse or the next train? (laughs) So will she and her legendary Transport Secretary use their last few days in office to justify our endless waits for relic pacer trains, while the Northern Fail franchise rewards incompetent bosses with £2 million pay packets, or will she finally agree with our plans to renationalise the railways and run them for the public good? I
1: say to the honourable lady she talks about the northern powerhouse the northern powerhouse is there we are operating we are being putting uh, uh, development we are putting funding into the northern powerhouse including including record levels of funding for transport across the north of England that is the commitment this government has made we're not just using words we're actually putting the money in we're seeing a difference we're making a difference Rachel McLean.
2: thank you mr. speaker will the Prime Minister join join me in congratulating Ian Jukes and our local community in Redditch for raising nearly half a million pounds for the Rory the Robot appeal to fund a prostate surgery robot in Worcestershire. However, despite all the hard work from the Acute Trust, the specialist commissioners have not approved the business case yet, so will she use her legacy in her last week to help us sort this problem out?
1: (laughs) Well, can I thank my uh, honourable friend? I'm very happy to uh, congratulate Ian Dukes and all those who've been responsible for raising the money. For, as I understand it, Rory the robot. I am sitting two steps away from the <laughs> International <laughs> Development Secretary, but uh, I gather this is uh, uh, a reference to a reference to medical uh, medical equipment in, uh, uh, that my honourable friend has made. And obviously, we will look ca- I will look carefully at the point she's raised about the business case.
0: Varendra Sharma, thank you, Mr. Speaker, didn't look very for the entirety of this. Uh, Prime Minister's term of office, the UK has held to its 0.7 per cent international aid commitment. Is the Prime Minister proud of this record, and will she use her powers and influence to ensure the next government holds not just to the letter of this commitment, but the spirit too. Thank the
1: Honourable Gentleman, for raising this issue. I am indeed proud of the role that United Kingdom has played, and the development aid that we spend across the world, helping the most vulnerable, helping some of the poorest people around the world, but also dealing with uh, issues as they arise, like the Ebola uh, uh, in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, Can I also say to the Honourable Gentleman, the 0.7% of GNI target is now in legislation, uh, and also it was a commitment that we as conservatives in our manifesto committed to maintain so i'm sure that that will continue and it will continue to be an important uh, sign of what this government this conservative party believes we should be doing around the world in helping some of the most vulnerable and some of the poorest yeah, yeah, yeah. robert halfon yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thank you uh, mr speaker
3: uh, prime minister on saturday i met a group of residents in harlow many of them on government help to schemes who moved into homes built by Persimmon that are shoddily built with severe damp and crumbling walls. In the eyes of my residents, Persimmons are crooks, cowboys and con artists. Will my right of honourable friend, the Prime Minister, hold the company to account, ensure that residents get proper compensation, urge the Chief Executive to come to Harlow to meet with these families
1: who have suffered so much. Persimmon Homes should not behave in this way. Well, my, my friend has raised a very important issue because, as we increase the housing supply, it is important that the quality of new build homes continues to improve, and that we set out in our housing white paper an ambition, a target for a housing market that works for everyone. So we do expect developers to deliver good quality housing. We've already announced our intention for a new homes ombudsman to protect the rights of home buyers and to hold developers to account we expect all developers to build their homes to a good quality standard these are homes that people will be living in for many years they deserve those standards
0: mr. Speller. mr speaker all the major european industrial nations insist that ships for their navies are built in their own yards so as part of our legacy can i urge the prime minister to be a good european and follow their example and instruct the Ministry of Defence to build their new support vessels in British yards, securing British jobs and using British steel
1: say to the right hon. Gentleman that, as he knows, it is this Government that actually brought forward our shipbuilding strategy to ensure that we are supporting and encouraging uh, shipbuilding around the United Kingdom. In relation to the Royal Navy, obviously the issue that he uh, refers to is supp- I understand support ships, uh, and the Ministry of Defence is looking at the uh, future provision uh, is looking at the future provision of the, uh, of the building of those support ships. In the future, we, of course, uh, maintain our position in relation to the building of, of uh, the ships of the Royal Navy.
0: George Freeman. Thank you, Mr Speaker, this weekend our sporting heroes, winners and losers, inspired a new generation.
3: Science can also inspire. Sixty years ago, JFK electrified the world and united a divided and fearful nation with the inspiring Apollo moonshot programme
0: which also helped to defeat the Soviet Union and laid the foundations for U.S. technology leadership. Would my right hon. Friend join me in saluting our pioneering scientist astronauts Helen Sharman and Tim
3: Peake, and agree with me that Brexit can and must be a moonshot moment for British science and innovation
0: to tackle global challenges?
1: Well, can I, can I thank my hon. Friend for raising this with me? I'm very... I'm very happy to uh, congratulate and salute our pioneering UK astronauts Helen Sharman and Tim Peake one of the first receptions I held in No. 10 Downing Street when I became Prime Minister was for Tim Peake, and what was inspiring was to see the way in which he, his uh, what he had done in space had encouraged young people, particularly, to have this interest in space and in science. We are a global leader in science and innovation. We continue, uh, will continue to do that once we leave the European Union, and of course, leaving the EU will open opportunities for UK science and innovation to tackle global challenges.
0: Chris Stevens. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Speaker, tonight
1: campaigners will be meeting in Govan to discuss
0: direct action against the Home Office contractor Serco, who ah. intends making 300 vulnerable asylum seekers homeless through a lock change eviction programme. Many of whom have outstanding claims as asylum seekers, and as the Prime Minister will know, the Home Office can take 37 days uh, to process Section 4 support. So, will the Prime Minister intervene, stop these evictions? prevent a homelessness crisis in Glasgow, and respect live legal proceedings so the law can be clarified
1: in this regard. I say to the hon. Gentleman, we are committed to providing asylum accommodation that is safe and secure. We take the well-being of asylum seekers and the local communities in which they live very seriously. Asylum seekers who would otherwise be destitute are provided with free, fully furnished accommodation while their applications are considered, and we cover utility costs, provide a cash allowance to cover our essential living needs. But once a person's asylum claim is fully determined, then their entitlement to that support will end. What I understand has been happening is that Serco has been providing accommodation at its own expense to over 300 people who are no longer eligible for such accommodation, either because they have been refused asylum or because they have been granted leave to remain and should move on to mainstream benefits and housing.
0: Jeremy LeFroy. Mr Speaker, last week I had the honour of visiting the world's best transformer factory in Stafford, in my constituency, uh, run by uh, General Electric. They were constructing the first of 72 transformers to go uh, to Iraq. Now they um, are only able to do this through the support of UK Export Finance. Um, Would my right yeah, honourable yeah. friend congratulate me? Would my right honourable <laughs> friend? <laughs> The last thing my right honourable well friend should do is that. But would my right honourable yeah. friend congratulate UK Export Finance yeah, yeah, on backing yeah. British business? Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, Can I say to my honourable friend, I'm very happy to congratulate him for all the work he's this time. Uh, his constituency and more widely. And uh, he's absolutely right. UK export finance is an essential part of the government support that can be provided to exporters. It, uh, I'm very pleased that the Department for International Trade has uh, changed the rules to enable UK export finance actually to be able to provide support for some smaller uh, uh, exporters, which has encouraged them. It, UKEF plays a vital role in uh, our economy and in our exporting around the world, and I'm happy to congratulate them for the work they do.
0: I'm I'm always happy to congratulate the honourable gentleman as others will, for one very good reason that the public should know. The honourable gentleman invariably plays the ball rather than the man or the woman. He sticks to the arguments and that's why he's respected not only by his constituents but across the house. Patrick Grady. Mr. Speaker, on the 26th of June, this House agreed an SNP resolution regretting that her legacy will be the hostile environment. And yesterday, the all-party groups on Africa and Malawi published a report showing that structural failures in the visa system is continuing to perpetuate that hostile environment. How can her government spend millions of pounds on a global marketing campaign saying that Britain is great, when for so many af- academics, artists and traders from Africa, Britain is closed? What yeah. 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 Can,
1: can, can I say to the honourable gentleman? that entry clearance officers consider applications of visitor visas with the utmost rigor because our visas are an important way of securing our border and an effective tool for us in reducing illegal immigration tackling organized crime and protecting national security he references visas for people coming from the countries of Africa the percentage of African nationals who saw their application granted is up by four percent on what it was 10 years ago and is only slightly below the average rate of the last 10 years and visa applications from African nationals are at
0: their highest level since 2030. Nigel Evans. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Three weeks ago, I was in New York for World
3: Pride, a celebration of equality and love with 150,000 people marching down Fifth Avenue, cheered on by millions of people. Then we had London Pride, and we'll have lots of other Prides in towns and cities throughout the UK and Europe. But it's such a
0: different story in so many other countries, where millions of people live in fear of prosecution and persecution and Commonwealth countries blame British legacy legislation. What message does she have to them that they can change their laws progressively and that everybody in their countries can live in equality
1: and harmony and love? Well, can I say to my right honourable friend, he's absolutely right, and people will have seen a wonderful Pride parade here in in London. And uh, I was only sorry, I was not able to be present at the Pride reception in No. 10 Downing Street, was pleased to be able to host that people were hosted in No. 10 once again this year. He raises an important issue. It's one that I raised at the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting last year, where I made it clear to countries in the Commonwealth that we want to see them introducing those progressive laws, introducing those changes in their legislation, and more. Than that that we are willing to help them and provide support to them and show them how uh, the legislation that we have used yeah, yeah. so that they can adopt that so that people can indeed live in true equality.
0: Mr. Blackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister claims to care about people whose lives have been destroyed by modern slavery, and she claims her work in this area will be part of her legacy. It is a legacy to be ashamed of, Mr. Yeah, Speaker, yeah. as BuzzFeed News have uncovered home office data showing that only 16 of 326 child victims of modern slavery had their discretionary leave visas approved in the 20 months of yeah. December 2018, refusing child trafficking victims' safety, this cruel and callous hostile environment. Is the Prime Minister's legacy? Hear, hear. Will she apologise or hang her head in shame? Hear,
1: hear. Can, I, can I say to the Honourable Lady that we do, of course constantly look at how we can improve our response to modern slavery. I'm very pleased I had a meeting uh, only a few days ago where I uh, met many people involved in organisations dealing with supporting victims of modern slavery but also those who are involved in the prosecution of perpetrators of modern slavery and those parliamentarians who have been involved in the independent review that took place of the Modern Slavery Act. We're in court, uh, going to take on board most of the recommendations from that Act but I have to I say to the hon. Lady, I make no apology for introducing the Modern Slavery Act. It was a Conservative government that actually dealt with this issue, that we continue to deal with this issue. We took it seriously when other parties were not willing to do so. First Glove!
0: Mr Speaker, as a distinctly average cricketer who is fully aware of his limitations, I grew up dreaming of an England side lifting the Cricket World Cup in a Lords final in front of a home crowd. How does she believe we maximise the opportunity of Sunday's incredible success to encourage the next generation to get involved and pick up a bat and ball? Can I say to
1: uh, my honourable friend? That uh, first of all, I think so many people around the country have been engaged and and, uh, have taken inspiration from the England cricket team's success. But crucially, a very significant number of children have also been introduced to cricket. And I think that the the work that takes place uh, for cricket in the streets, for actually introducing children to the basics of cricket. I want to quote a figure which I heard yesterday, but I'm, Mr. Speaker, I do so with care because I think it's something like a million children have now. Now being seen cricket and being introduced to cricket as a result of the World Cup uh, tournament here in the UK, we must build on that for the future.
0: Thank you, thank you, Neil Gray. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yesterday in Parliament, a young man
3: named Adam, who has learning difficulties, spoke at the launch of a report from the Disabilities Benefit Consortium uh, entitled "Has Welfare Become Unfair?" Adam told us about how, as a result of cuts to his benefit support, he has had to choose between paying to travel to his appointments and buying milk. What does the Prime Minister say to Adam, and how does does she respond to that report, which says that disability benefits have been cut four
1: times faster than others in the nine years that she has been in government? Well, can I say to the hon. Gentleman that obviously uh, the Secretary of State has heard the specific case that he raised, um, but when we look at the support that we have given uh, to disabled people and people with health conditions, it is actually at a record high. Spending on disability benefits will be higher in every year to 2023 than in 2010. And what, we've also done, what we have also done is provided support and continue to provide support for disabled people to get into the workplace, and the number of disabled people in work has increased by almost nine. 950,000 over the last five years. Make it through. Speaker, this year. The school sports premium is worth about uh, half a million pounds to primary schools across my constituency. It's been a key driver in helping more children establish healthier lifestyles, which they will hopefully continue into childhood. Will my rightful friend join me in encouraging the next government to look closely at extending this funding beyond 2020, so we can help even more children become healthier for life, and also hopefully inspire some of those young people to become our World Cup winners of the future. Well, yeah. oh, can, I, can I say, my honourable friend, she's raised an important issue. I think we all recognise the importance of sport in schools, and uh, the uh, Sport Action Plan has an aspiration for every child to get 60 minutes of sport and activity a day. And that's why we did publish a cross-government school sport action plan on Monday. That will be taken forward. Uh, it's, this is an issue that Conservatives in government have taken very seriously. We're putting that uh, PE in sport premium in. It will continue to in the 2019 to 2020 academic year. Um, obviously, future questions about spending will be for the spending review, but I think my honourable friend can take it that Conservatives in government will continue their commitment to ensuring that we see a healthy lifestyle for young people in this country.
0: John McNally. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On day to day issues, PM, post Brexit concerns raised by Scotland's seafood industry, transport delays, new tariffs, taxes put the industry simply on an unequal playing field with European counterparts, how can the PM tell us how the UK Government is going to support and protect this high-value industry when it faces product loss due to these delays that will certainly lead to higher and soaring insurance premiums and thresholds?
1: Well, can I say to the Honourable Gentleman that we take industry across the United Kingdom very seriously. Uh, We have ensured – he referenced the uh, uh, issue of Brexit and leaving the European Union – we have ensured that a deal was negotiated which would have protected jobs and protected industry across the the United Kingdom. Sadly, the Honourable Gentleman and others in this House chose not to support that. I continue to believe that the best best way forward for industries in his constituency and across the UK is for us to leave the European Union, and do so with a good
2: deal.
3: Jack Brereton. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Figures yesterday show wages are rising faster than inflation, meaning more money in the pockets of hard-working yeah, yeah. people in Stoke-on-Trent. Can I thank my rational yeah. friend for the action her government has been taking to help families with the cost of living, reducing taxes on income, increasing the national living wage, and, free, and uh, increasing free fuel duty?
1: Can I I, uh, thank my honourable friend? I think it is good news indeed. It was good news from the employment figures we saw yesterday that there are more people in work now in this country than ever before. Uh, And I'm also pleased that we have been able to help uh, working people with their finances. Uh, We've done that through the National Living Wage. We've done it through cutting taxes. Uh, We've done it through freezing fuel duty. And for the lowest paid, the National Living Wage and the cuts in taxes mean they now take home £4,500 more. Than they did under the last Labour government. Kerry McCarthy. Mr. Speaker.
2: At Prime Minister's questions on the 26th of June, I was pleased to hear the Prime Minister express sympathy for my 18 year old constituent, Jake Ogbourne, who has spinal muscular atrophy. In May, Nice posted a press release saying that the drug SpinRaza would be made available to SMA patients, and that the clear implication was it would be made available to all of them. Only for Jake to have his hopes cruelly dashed when he was told he was just outside the hitherto unmentioned eligibility oh, criteria ridiculous. this is a young man whose future is at stake the prime minister said on that occasion she would follow up can I ask her if she has yet managed to do so
1: can I say to the honourable lady, I don't have a response to the specific case that she has made but uh, raised again, but I will ensure that a response comes to her uh, before I leave office.
2: Thank you.